Welcome to What in the World, a project initiated by Hungry for Life International. Today's podcast is titled Talking Kenya with Voice of Hope, and Jess will be interviewing Sue Koopman and Marianne Westry. So grab your headphones, sit back, relax, and listen as we talk about how Voice of Hope has been building a widow support program in Kenya. All right, welcome back to another week of What in the World, the Hungry for Life podcast, where we talk about all things to do with global nonprofits, including teams, which we are talking about today with our guests, Marianne Westring and Sue Koopman. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for being brave and coming on. Um, so the purpose of this podcast is for our listeners to get a taste of what it's like to be a, uh, a, send, a sending group, like on the local side of things, and talk about the projects that a Voice of Hope for Kenya is involved with. And so um, I don't want to get too much into that because I want you ladies to explain everything about Voice of Hope and how it came to be. Um, so let's start off with first question. Who are you? Who are you, Sue? I am Sue and I'm Sue Koopman and I'm a member of the Free Reform Church where my husband is the pastor. Uh, Mary Ann sitting beside me is my dearest friend. I have five kids and eight grandchildren, seven girls and one boy. So I'm very blessed. Since and when? <laughs> since, oh, that all began back in 2011. Wow. Okay. Yeah, including two sets of twins. Two sets of twins? Yep. That's kind of unreal. That's kind of fun. <laughs> Busy grandma fun. you are. Very fun, yes. yes. Sorry, I cut you off. Continue. Um, I don't know what else you'd want to know okay. about me other than um, I've been with the Voice of Hope team since 2014 when we took our first trip out to Kenya. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Sue. Marianne, who are you? Well, my name's Marianne Westring, and um, I'm married to Dick Westring, and we have 11 children, and um, we have 16 grandchildren, so we have a very busy family, um, wonderful family. Part of our family lives in Saskatchewan, and part of our family lives here, so we find we divide our time quite a bit between the two different places, which is a huge privilege because we get to see our grandkids grow up there, too. Um, I first became involved with A Voice of Hope for Kenya in 2013 when I went to Kenya together with Dick on a right. board trip. On a board trip. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, Dick has been on this podcast before. He, gave, he did one of my favorite podcasts of all time, which was Business as a Mission. So here's my plug for that. If you haven't heard Dick's podcast, go back to episode, I don't know, just scroll through and you'll find it. It's a very good one. Um, so you mentioned briefly my next question, which is how did you get connected to Kenya? Well, that's a bit of a story. As I just said, I went to Kenya with Dick, who was on the board of Hungry for Life at the time. And that was in 2013. And he was invited to go to Kenya with the board to visit the various projects that Hungry for Life has both in Kenya and in Uganda. So I was very happy to be his tag along. And um, so we went to the Kakamega area and on one particular day, um, we went to visit a widow. Just It was just a random visit. Um, we went to visit a lady by the name of Margaret. She was a young woman, probably in her high 30s at the time. And she had eight children, or has, still has, eight daughters. Um, I would say nothing could have prepared me for just what um, what we found there. She was, um, she was living in a home that was literally crumbling. Um, her husband had died one year previous to that, and the, her youngest little one was laying on a little piece of plastic slash mattress that, and she was burning up with fever. And um, just, I think what really took my heart was the fact that she was so happy that we came to visit. I mean, our visit was a walk by with a little bit of, a little gift of food that we gave her. And we sat together in her little home and had a little visit. 
and took a picture and said goodbye. And to her, it was so wonderful, <clears throat> excuse me, and incredible that we had come to spend some time with her. So it really it was impressed on my mind just how isolated and lonely she was. Um, then that same day, we went to another community and um, I met my second Margaret for the day. And this Margaret was very old. She was elderly and she was laying on a mattress in her little mud home all by herself. Um, there's no uh, old age home for her to go to, to be taken care of. Her neighbors um, really did try to take care of her, but they were also elderly. So, you know, she basically laid there by herself in her bed for hours on end, days on end. And um, we went to visit her and yeah, it was just incredible to see what this lady, how this lady lived. So yeah, um, it really impressed on my mind and I was pretty, um, yeah, it was, mm -hmm. it was very sad to see such a, it was really impactful really. Um, and so, yeah, after I had a really good cry about it, yeah. um, that night as a board with the board man members that w I was with, we sat and chatted about it. And I think Voice of Hope was born that day. Yeah. So that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. So just like from, from the Hungry for Life perspective, a little fun fact, I went with Marianne and Sue on the very first Voice of Hope team back in 2014, right? Is it yeah. 2014? Yes. Yeah, so that was right. exactly one year after this first incident right. that I just spoke about. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had started Hunger for Life in 2013, and this was the first team I'd ever led. You guys were so nice to me. Well, you were a very good leader. <laughs> oh, I was so nervous to lead you ladies because you're wonderful people and I didn't want to mess things up. But um, I remember both the Margarets that you're talking about. I remember the path to get to the young Margaret. We called them young Margaret, old Margaret. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember seeing the, the house of young Margaret and then um, seeing bedridden old Margaret. And so I can very, very much visualize exactly what you're talking about. And I wish everyone could. I mean, we'll attach some pictures to this. So hopefully I remember to do that. Adam, remind me to do that. <laughs> Got a nod from Adam. Um, and so after that trip, I remember, I, I think it was a maybe a month or so after that trip, I remember sitting in your living room, Sue, right? Do you remember this meeting? I no? don't, okay. but I probably will when you share more about it. Okay. Well, we all sat in your living room and it was uh, kind of like a, a, a vision brainstorm or a mission brainstorm of like the, what is going to be the future of this group? What should be the main goals of it? Like how kind of coming up with a mission statement. I don't know if you remember this at all, but I really enjoyed sitting in that meeting and, and he, listening to you ladies fire out your, your passions and your dreams for the future of this group. And almost a decade later, here we are sitting and, and talking about all these lives impacted. It's so full circle. It's, it's very, very cool to see. Um, that being said, what is the main goal of Voice of Hope? Well, the main goal of Voice of Hope is to come alongside the widows who are in destitute situations, often elderly grandmothers raising their grandchildren because their own children have passed away. Um, so one of our goals is to support them and we support them with um, food packs, depending on their needs, food packs, um, school fees, medical care, um, and just coming alongside of them also with God's word. Every visit we go to, we bring God's word to bear upon their situation. Last year, our theme was hope. And what we intended to do in our visits was to give the ladies hope, hope in Jesus Christ, hope for this life, but also hope for the life to come. Um, another goal we have, of course, is to better the lives of the children. And by providing school fees, we can see a future coming for these children that is much more promising, much more prosperous, and sort of just to get them out of the situation they're in, we're providing what they need for better jobs and in a practical sense, a better life here on earth. And by doing that, we hope to break a cycle of poverty. Um, another thing we do is, um, yeah, like I said, we do bring God's word to bear upon their situation, but we have found when we go to these visits, we are often much more encouraged 
in God and in life and in hope, with hope and with perseverance because of the example they set. Hmm. You know, by far most of our widows are believers. They have not had much training um, as we have had here, but they know the Lord. They know Jesus as their Savior. And we can walk away and feel encouraged by the peace that they have in their life situations, their contentment. They do have desires like we all do, mm-hmm. but their contentment with what they have has been life-changing for me in my life back here. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, a certain piece of scripture could mean something totally different to them than it does to us, just given our life circumstances. And it's so important. That's why we encourage people to go, go see, go see how the world is living and go see how, what God means to other people too, and see, yeah. see him at work in, in other people's lives. Um, is there a piece of scripture that is pretty foundational to, I know I, that wasn't in my questions, but that I sent ahead of time, but uh, is there a piece of scripture that is foundational to a voice of hope? Absolutely. James 1 verse 27, which says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction. And that's our go-to text. Yeah. That is our command by God. And we do it out of gratefulness to God for everything he's given us. So we can only respond by helping others. I love that one. And Marianne, how would you define the purpose of Voice of Hope? Well, I think Sue defined it very well, um, very accurately. Um, uh, one of the focus, uh, one of the, the main focus that Voice of Hope does have that I think makes us quite unique is that we really focus on relationships. And really, we can only share God's word and have that, have them trust us and, um, and really um, understand, we can only understand them by developing a relationship first. Because if we're just coming in, and dropping off a food pack mm-hmm. and then leaving really you know that's that's not the way our um our particular mission wants to operate we would really like to care for them and to care for them really in a holistic way as that we as sue said we care for their spiritual needs but we care for their um physical needs also so we do that by getting to know them And we sit and we visit with them, Mm -hmm. each one of them. We have 79 widows on our program currently. You have 79 now? Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. Yes. Along with our Ontario pod. Right. Right. We have a combined 79. Yeah. So that's that's a bit of an explanation too. Uh, I don't know if this is the place for it right now. Yeah, go for it. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, several years ago, I think, I believe it was in 2018, um, we were really hoping to grow. And so... The best way to grow, I felt, was by expanding in, um, you know, in the number of people going to see the ladies, not just mm-hmm. expanding the number of ladies that we minister to. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the ladies that had been on our trip for several years in a row and showed great passion and leadership um, is Helen Van Dyke, and she's from Ontario. And um, so I approached her and asked her if she would consider starting a new Voice of Hope pod in Ontario, which she did. And they've been going on trips for several years now. Um, so they, we, we work together hand in hand, yeah. um, but they have, they have their um, own set of widows, so to speak. Okay. And that overlaps. If sure. I go and Helen has a lady that she's concerned about, she'll get me to go and have a quick peek okay. and, and go visit or just to bring greetings or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so together we have 79 widows and we support 171 kids in their school tuition. Wow. Yeah. Is that through Arise and Shine? No. no. No, that's through... Arise and Shine, which is a small school in, in the Kakamega area, yeah. for those that don't know. Um, that is part of it. Okay. But what we decided to do uh, several, I think two years ago now, we were talking a lot about self-sufficiency for our women. And we are, are always working very hard at a, giving our young women, our, especially our younger widows, the dignity of being able to provide for themselves. Um, but it's a difficult task. 
Um, often the women that we're working with have had very limited education and they have such limited resources. Mm -hmm. So we have tried to help them by um, providing business training and providing um, agricultural training. And that, so that is amazing. Yeah. But even with their gardens producing um, better crops, and it still is very, very difficult for them to be self-sufficient. Why do you think? Well, um, anybody that's a farmer knows that you're always uh, susceptible to whatever nature brings. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't rain and sometimes it rains too much. And sometimes the corn is just up and the army worm comes through and mm -hmm. eats it. Or, you know, there's a variety of reasons why um, their crops may not prosper. And they don't have a lot of land. So um, at best, which is rare, they might have two acres to work okay. with, and they do everything by hand. by hand. So there's no machinery. These ladies work very, very hard. There's no machinery, so they just go out there and they, first they pl uh, plow it by hand, so dig it, and then they do it again, and then they have to plant it, etc. So it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. So to have bigger pieces of, of land, you know, they'd have to have help and that takes a lot of organization and it's going to be a difficult task so they're they're dealing with smaller pieces right. of land and that little piece of land only can produce so much sure so if they do have a good crop one year um is there demand for it like can they easily sell it or is that also an issue sometimes the likely what happens if they have a really good crop this year they'll need every part of it to um, feed their family. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. There's not going to be a lot of surplus. Okay. So yes, but yes, they can sell. Mm -hmm. And we've taught them those business practices too that, um, well, I shouldn't say we've taught them because that's not really accurate. We have partnered with agricultural um, people that have gone in and, and taught them you know, sell your corn at such and such a time cool. so that, you know, the prices mm -hmm. are higher, etc. Mm -hmm. Kind of common business practices, yeah. But so having said all that um, uh, and, and, tr and tried to do that, um, we still see that it's very difficult for an individual lady to become self-sufficient. And then, of course, there's our elderly women who... They're 70 or 80 years old. And like Sue said, they're taking care of their grandkids. They're old. Mm -hmm. And for them to work harder, you know, it's just like, that's not what we're asking. Mm -hmm. We help them without that expectation of self-sufficiency. Now that brings me to the point that I'm trying to get to. <laughs> Sorry, I keep distracting you. And that is we decided at a certain point that it made all kinds of sense for us to help the next generation yeah. um, have um, more of a likeliness to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that means that we start with a good education. So all of the children that live with their moms or grandmas are supported by Voice of Hope. So that's 171 students. And so now they know that they can go to school and it frees the mom or the grandma to also have that extra money for food mm -hmm. and other things that they'll need. need. So that was, that's kind of one of the um, avenues that we've taken to seek self-sufficiency for the, for the ladies. I love that. It's really getting down to the systemic problem of... and. Like the first, the first trip that you and me went on, it's just so, there's one layer. And then the next year you discover another layer. And yeah. it's like so many layers to this one problem of helping widows or, or getting down to the systemic issue, which I, I love that you guys have gone through all that layers and you continue to keep peeling that back and um, incorporating locals to teach them business skills and all that kind of stuff. I love that. And I think it's, that's so neat. Speaking of which, how many times have you guys gone? How many years? So 2013, you sent teams. Uh, 2013 was the year that Marianne and Dick went. Right. Yes. And Mary, Marianne came back with this passion and 
When Marianne has a passion, she ignites others with it. Yes, she she does. had a vision. She had a dream. She had a um, a calling to help these women. Mm-hmm. So she came back in 2013, and anybody she crossed paths with <laughs> was told about the two Margarets <laughs> and the amount of work that needed to be done there. So she took me out for coffee one day, and she said, I really want you to come on the trip. So that was the first team, the one you were on, 2014. And um, I thought I was just coming along sort of just, you know, um, not anticipating doing a lot of work, but just kind of being on the sidelines observing things because I had no idea what we were going to do. But with Marianne, she has a gift, and the gift is to recognize other people's um, abilities and their gifts and to draw them out Mm. and to encourage us as a team to use everything that God has given us for the projects on hand. So we were all fully involved. I'm sure you remember that. I do. There I was do. no one idle sitting on the sidelines watching. So that is like yeah. a vivid memory for me. I was like, oh, how early are we getting up? Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, my first trip, 2014. I've been yeah. blessed to be able to go four times. Oh, and um, the last times I've gone as the Hungry for Life leader. Okay. And our last trip was this past January. And I'm just looking very forward to going this November and going again in the Mm -hmm. HFL leader role. Oh, neat. I'm excited. Yeah. That's so great. Because you guys have both taken the the HFL um, leader role Yeah, so that we don't need to send one of our staff, which I also think is really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How many times have you gone every... I counted, okay. especially for this podcast. Okay. How many times? Uh, 14. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. One was for fun. Okay. And then 13 times for... I would like to ask Marianne a question. Yes, please do. What did that fun look like for you? Oh, great you, question, You didn't Sue. do any widow visits or oversee any projects or... No, no, it didn't. was before, okay. before this. Um, Dick and I went on a safari when he turned 40. Excellent. Yes. That, okay. was oh, so that was before Voice of Hope was, was existing. Long before Voice of Hope. You know she couldn't go without doing any of that yes. now. Yes. Great question, Sue. Um, which trip stands out to you guys? Is there a trip that stands out to you? No. No. You know, they're all unique. Mm-hmm. Um, every year we're so blessed that we go with such an amazing group of women. So um, our teams typically are made up of mature um, Christian women. And just that in itself lends to a wonderful um, time together because there's great com- camaraderie and um, everybody looks out for each other and we encourage one. It's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's a neat experience. And I can't, I honestly cannot pick out one over another. Okay. I'm sure each trip comes with its each own trip. standout moment, right? Exactly. Yeah. What about you, Sue? Um, I agree that each trip has its unique memory um, because it also comes in a unique time in our lives. When I went the first time in uh, 2014, I thought, you know, this is probably once and never again. So I'm just going to go. I'm going to do the best I can. And my husband picked me up at the airport in Vancouver, as most of our husbands did. So we were driving together out of the parking lot and he turned and he looked at me and he said, Sue, seriously, how was it? And I looked at him and I said, I cannot wait to go back. Mm. And he had a bit of a crestfallen look on his face because he was like, what have we begun? But um, (laughs) yeah, and you know, there, there was each trip has its uniqueness. But I think in 2018, when I met a little guy called Simon, um, that was one of the most impactful trips for me. And that was a trip also where I saw the blessing of Voice of Hope coming into an extremely destitute family situation. Um, and just seeing how we could come and we could help and how God showed us this little boy, which led us to find his family, um, is just an amazing miracle in my life yet. So, um, I can share that story if I was you just want. Gonna ask, so I was, um, as I was just prepping for this podcast, I was going through your blogs and just, I didn't read them all, but I read the one about Simon. Yeah. Do you want to, yeah. do you want to talk about it? I, I definitely yeah, will. Do. Um, 
Yeah, we've spoken about the Arise and Shine School, and it's a preschool that we go to every year. Um, we go there, we share a Bible story, we do a craft, we play lots of games. And Jessica, I'm sure you remember. I do. They taught us some games too, yeah. which um, was just a lot of fun. We're also often invited to serve up the meal that they have, which is just a, a cup of porridge. But we're invited to feed the kids on that day. The kids are always excited to see us just as much as we are to see them. At our visit to this preschool, though, in 2018, and the preschool has kids that are roughly aged two and a half, three to five years of age. They sit around these little tables on these little kid chairs in their little rough building. And um, among them, there was this boy much older than the other kids. And we noticed that he was much older than the other kids. And he looked sad, dejected, malnourished. And he was wearing a pajama shirt, which was several sizes too small. We felt so moved to find out more about this young boy. Beatrice, who's the head matron of the school, told us that Simon came from a very poor family. He was not able to go to a regular school since his family could not afford his uniform. He was at the preschool because his mom knew he would get a bowl of porridge there, something that was not available at home. So we decided we just needed to go visit Simon's home and find out how we, Voice of Hope, could help. We returned the next day with just three of us, which was Lori and myself and Marianne, and just not to overwhelm, just for that initial visit, and nothing could have prepared us for the situation we came upon. Simon's mom had just given birth to a little boy two days earlier in her dilapidated two-room mutt hut. Phyllis, Simon's mom, was cradling baby Collins in her arms as he was wrapped just in a tattered old skirt. His umbilical cord was still present. Voice of Hope, we saw the situation needed immediate help. It wasn't, let's take this back to Ontario or BC and talk about it. No, they needed immediate help. There was no food in the home and there were many mouths to feed. We had a supply of groceries brought and some basic necessities for the baby. Today, life is so much different for Phyllis and her children. Through the help of Voice of Hope and its supporters, the family now lives in a newly built home and receives a monthly food pack. School fees are paid and medical help is given. It was such a highlight this past January when we went back. We went to visit Phyllis to see how she was doing and she continues on the monthly program of being provided food and school fees and such. But we went back in January to have a visit with her and Simon was not home which was disappointing, I think, especially to me. Mm. He's, got a, he's got a spot in my heart. But just as we were pulling away, getting onto the road, after the visit, we saw a happy, healthy young man dressed in a proper school uniform walking home from real school, mm. regular school. We're not sure who was happier to see who, but what a joyful reunion we had with Simon. We talked to him for a while and we gave him a nice new ball cap. And we just think God is so good to have brought us into Simon and his family's lives. We are blessed to know them. And re we rejoice that God has allowed Voice of Hope to be there for them. In this situation, I think we all really felt like the hands and feet of Christ. Mm -hmm. So Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Simon, that was... Simon's... You know, he's yeah. very special. Very oh, special. Mm -hmm. How old is Simon? Did, did you well, say that? he would be, he was 10 at the time, so he'd probably be 14. Okay. Now. Wow. Yeah. But he looks so dapper coming down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And his, you know, their shorts <laughs> and that. So proud. Putting down well, shirt. And, so. and, and confident. Okay. So yes. he went from a little boy who couldn't pick up his eyes to look at mm. us. Yeah. As also for his mom, Phyllis. Like she was so downcast. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, she has a smile on her face and her chin's lifted and yeah. she walks with confidence and 
Yeah, every beautiful. every visit we do to Kenya now, we have a ladies' day where different topics are presented, and we provide lunch, okay. and they come to the grounds of the guest house where we stay, and uh, just to observe Phyllis out and confidently talking oh, to the other difference. women yeah. and interacting difference. on the topic. Mm. Yeah, an absolute difference from the first time yeah. we met her. Yeah, just so empowering for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And, and God's allowed Voice of Hope just to be that. Mm-hmm that vessel that mm. can give mm-hmm. his love to her and mm-hmm. take care of her. I love that story. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, is there like, what, what's the criteria to meet for these widows or, or anyone in your program to receive food packs? Well, to be a widow. Yep. Generally. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> we have an assessment, um, sheet that we, we actually go through. Okay. But um, we're very careful to, um, like, it's not like we go in the ho- into their home with this form and say, okay, can we check the boxes? But um, we already have a, a referral from people in the community, whether it's okay. their pastor or a teacher or, or um, people just in the community that knows this individual. Mm-hmm. So that before we ever even go to visit somebody, we are already pretty certain that they check the boxes. Okay. Yeah. So generally comes from a referral. Exactly. Yeah. And we want to be sure that we're not doing something that they should be doing for themselves. So we want to be very careful that there's not family members that should be taking care of them or are taking care of them. And now we're taking that away from them. So we want to walk alongside them, but we don't want to, you know, the saying of, you know, when helping hurts, we don't want to be that mm-hmm. person. So you want to talk about that a little bit more? Like can, can these widows help themselves? Like where, well, that is of course the goal, especially as I said earlier, if they're younger yeah, and, um, <clears throat> you provide resources for them to work towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if they can, then we're always looking for that to, because that is really the best way. It's the best for them. Yep. And, you know, they feel so good. I want to tell you a little story about a lady named Elizabeth. She um, lost her husband. Um, she had a mother-in-law who was actually quite supportive, which is unusual in this culture, unfortunately. <clears throat> and her mother-in-law... Uh, the when the her husband died when Elizabeth's husband died she did not they didn't have land on the on the mother's on his property which is you know unusual but it was small the mother-in-law provided a little place for her there and she saved money and we're talking about that's nearly impossible okay. to save mm-hmm. because when you don't have enough to feed your children, how do you save 10 cents? You don't. Yeah. But she did. She slowly gathered wood. She slowly gathered iron sheets. And over a period of two years, I think, she built herself a little house. Wow. So, you know, she's very resourceful. So mm-hmm. she's the lady now, speaking of self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. when we met her, she was feeding her kids weeds because she did not have food for her children. And I didn't realize that they were weeds because she was kind of cleaning them in a bowl as we were speaking. Okay. So I said, oh, I've not, I've not seen that before. <laughs> what, what kind of vegetable are you feeding your children? And she's like, weeds. Mm-hmm. So, um... We're walking alongside of her and helping her with a food support every okay. month, but we hope not to do that for too long because after Elizabeth receives business training, I mean, if this girl can figure out no how to save, to build a home, yeah. she is going to figure out how to run a business. No and doubt. so she's just mm-hmm. going to be self-sufficient. Yeah. So that's the goal. I love that. Um, what about medical issues? Like, uh, does oh. Voice of Hope help with medical issues? Medical is huge. We do help with medical um, because, you know, if you're sick with malaria, um, actually malaria still kills. And people, children and adults both, still lose their life to malaria, which we don't think of. But um, so something as simple as providing 
you know, $2 US for them to go to the local doctor to get malaria meds mm -hmm. might save someone's life. Mm -hmm. And it will mean that they will um, regain their health quicker and go back to work. And it'll mean that the kids don't miss more school. So right. it has lots of positive impacts. For such a small amount. For such yeah. a small amount. Okay. But yeah. we work um, together with a doctor, Dr. Isaac, and he sees all of our ladies. So all it's, okay. you know, our, our field partner, Everlyn, she calls Dr. Isaac and says, so-and-so needs to see you. And she's got an appointment or he goes to the home if it's someone that's elderly. That's so neat. We also are working with a home care nurse. Her name is Lillian. Okay. She now will go around and, and visit all the elderly people mm -hmm. or people who have chronic medical issues. Okay. For example, Sabina. She's an elder, elderly woman, and she has um, chronic lung issues. So uh, Lillian will go by and just make sure that Sabina knows how to take her medicine. She'll make sure that she has enough medicine. That was another huge thing. They run out of medicine and they don't have any money, so they don't refill. Mm. So all those things are now being done and they're being assisted with them. That's and, neat. Yeah. yeah. So medical care is yeah. a huge game changer for our ladies. You just gave me a podcast idea. I'm going to get Everlyn on the next podcast. That's a great idea. Get, get her side of the story of Voice of Hope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One little aside thing yeah. that we do that, you know, I'm not a medical person whatsoever. Um, but when we do hygiene presentations, we give out hygiene kits at the church yeah. after the service. Everyone who, all the young ladies who need it um, can come and watch a presentation to get a hygiene kit. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to do something for the older ladies. And uh, so what we did was we set up a little area outside and we take all their blood pressures. Mm. And we write their blood pressure on a little card. And then we have a little card we hand them. Because 9 out of 10 of them have quite severe high blood pressure. Oh, really? So I'm not sure if it's the excitement of sitting there and getting your high blood pressure <laughs> taken, your blood pressure taken. But um, yeah, so then we encourage them also to see a doctor for those types things so that's neat mm -hmm. just yet another thing that voice the voice of hope program does mm -hmm. um how okay here we go what was the most impactful thing this past january mm. well it's pretty recent yeah it was pretty recent yeah, well ago. first of all it was great to be there mm -hmm. um i got to go for a short trip in november also so i got okay. to see everybody in november and it was just great to be back. Everybody was so happy to see us. Mm, after is, COVID. Oh, yeah. 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 And, okay. you know, it was really remarkable to me that how worried they were about us. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I think they heard about all those Americans dying. Mm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure what they heard. But anyways, Who knows? they were very happy <laughs> yeah. um, to see us and, you know, cared a great deal about us. Yeah. But just uh, an impactful story. Um, so in November, we visited... Uh, 20 new widows in a different area uh, where we're in the CI area and um, one of the ladies that we met her name is Grace um, and this visit actually happened in the on the January visit um, she's new to the program and even after just visiting her twice we felt very connected with her um, she's 54 years old and she's a widow she has several adult children one of her daughters still lives with her and three of her grandkids live with her so she's got a uh, lots of responsibilities and um, not very many resources so you know where where our medical assistants came in to be very um, helpful here was she had this massive tumor growing on her abdomen that just been growing and you know uh, yeah so we helped her to go see a doctor and um, she had surgery and had it removed and it was very needed mm. so that was a great help to her um, so um, you know it's just remarkable to know that uh, also there's no welfare system for any yeah. of these women and like for Grace who's a widow there's no survivor pension check coming through the mail for her either mm -hmm. um, she uh, as we were visiting her daughter Marcy um, came by to say hello and so she was quite shy and 
you know, we said hi to her and asked her kind of the regular questions of, oh, you know, are you going to school or what class are you in? Mm -hmm. And she wasn't going to school and she wasn't going to school because there was no money for school fees. So we just talked a little bit more and then it became apparent that she hadn't had to quit high school because there was no money, but she really wanted to be a fashion designer. And so just the way the conversation ended up being is that we told her that we were going to provide money for her to be able to finish her grade 12 education and that if her marks were good that she we would provide um, post-secondary education for her to be a fashion designer and nothing on this planet could have prepared us for her reaction she did not cry she sobbed really she couldn't stop crying and we were all just pretty moved by her reaction. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of our visit, her mother, Grace, was also very moved by the offer for her. I mean, this is a ticket for her. Mm -hmm. Like for her, it meant living in this same place, working in this same garden for never enough. Mm. And now she has an opportunity so not just an opportunity for Marcy, but also an opportunity for her to help her mom. And she will. Mm -hmm. We know that. Um, at the end of our visit, we always close with prayer. And we were very moved when Grace and Marcy both fell to their knees and just cried out and thanked the Lord for his goodness that day. So that was a pretty remarkable visit. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. I like that one. Um, Sue, were you on this? You were on this last yes, January. Yes, I was. What about yeah. you? Um, this last trip, I, I spoke about it already. The highlight, um, in a positive way was seeing Simon and mm -hmm. seeing him doing well mm -hmm. and seeing how God had used Voice of Hope to make that difference. But there's also, there's a story that impacted me, um, when we went to the CIA area to visit these new widows we visited one widow, her name was Plister, and she was very elderly. She was um, bedridden. So we visited her in her hut, and only a few of us went into it because there just wasn't room, and we did not want to overwhelm her mm -hmm. with eight, six ladies, I yeah. guess, that trip. So we went in there, and um, the conditions were deplorable. On the one side of her bed was a plate of, like, dried-up ugali or some kind of a porridge thing, and on the other side, there was a pail that had her um, her waist because she couldn't get up and go to the uh, to the washroom. So that was there. The stench in there was terrible. The bed was dirty. There were bugs everywhere. Um, it was just a deplorable condition. So we committed to to make a difference in her life and working with Pastor Silas, who was there, and his sister, who was just awesome. Plans were made for the conditions to change. But her family was not looking after her, and she was entitled to some kind of a, a check. I'm not even sure what, what it, in, where it came from. But her kids needed her to go pick that up so that they could take that money. So they put her on a motorcycle to go there, and she's very, very weak. And she fell, and she broke her hip. So she didn't want to go. She was in too much pain to go to the hospital. They put her back in that bed. And um, despite everything that we wanted for her, the difference we wanted to make in her life, when we were in Germany for our stopover on the way home, um, Marianne got the message that Plister had passed away. Mm. So that was impactful to me and showed me just the urgency of finding these very destitute people in time mm. so we can make a difference. But God had numbered her days. She didn't die a day before God had planned to call her home. And she was a believer, so we have great hope that she's just enjoying glory now. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, we can see the difference that we're allowed to make, but we can't do it for everyone. And so that really impacted me that, Let's keep going. Let's keep finding them. Let's keep helping. Let's keep making a difference. Um, yeah. But also this past trip wasn't an impactful thing, but it was a bit cumbersome, our travel this time, because of COVID. Mm -hmm. 
know, the testing and all the different restrictions. Wearing a mask for 15 hours on a plane is not my idea of fun, but just kind of what you do for 15 hours. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I mean, God really blessed us because we were all healthy the whole trip. Mm -hmm. We had taken some rapid tests along just to Mm -hmm. monitor ourselves, see if we have to stick someone in isolation. Yeah. Um, But yeah, God blessed us all with good health and good strength and no one was delayed coming home. Great. We all arrived home. So that was definitely a blessing. That's so. great. That's a that story that you just told though about about the widow who passed away. I think it's a a good note to sort of to segue out of this podcast because it leaves a fire under people's butts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, an urgency and an immediateness of this. And um, so I want to I want to ask you guys one more question before we close this podcast mm-hmm. uh, from 2014 until now. How has Voice of Voice of Hope grown? Well, as you know, Jessica, in 2014, when we went, we went with shaky knees and, mm-hmm. you know, pounding hearts. But, uh, you know, God really has blessed us the whole way. He has helped us through the whole way. You know, when we were scared and worried and didn't know what to do next, we just sought God's guidance. And I just have so many stories and rolling around in my mind of how God provided it and helped us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I said earlier today, we have um, 79 widows and 171 kids plus Martha's family that we support where there's 68 kids. So there's a lot of families and people that have been impacted, uh, which we're so thankful for. And we hope to, we know that there's a great need out there Mm -hmm. and yes, we would like to grow. Um, but I want to stay focused on keeping the close relationship that we have now with our with our the people that we work with Mm -hmm. so that we don't become impersonal Mm -hmm. um so the way that that can happen is for another pod to start up in another community Mm, that'd be neat that would be a great way and that way we could expand and there'd be more people involved working together for this this same cause do you have someone in mind? Let's call them out right here, right now. Well, just you know, there's people in Lethbridge. There's ah, people in Lethbridge. Lethbridge people. You're up to bat. Okay. So anywhere. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so, yeah, I, the way I have seen Voice of Hope evolve is definitely right in line with Marianne. Um, but it has also just been abundantly blessed. And one of the ways God has done this blessing to us is through our supporters. Mm. Voice of Hope, it's not just a group of eight women going to Kenya for two weeks once a year. Voice of Hope is a large community of supporters who have caught the passion for this work. We have supporters who donate each month to our widow support program, our VOH supporters, supporter volunteer, endless hours to our fundraising projects, we're never short of help for any of our fundraising events. Our supporters use their resources and their God-given gifts to help raise funds. Um, for example, Making Jam Berry Bounty Farm makes jam from their beautiful produce that they grow on their berry farm. And they make it into jam and they sell it year-round with all proceeds going to Voice of Hope. Oh, that's so neat. So that's the way they use their resources. Um, some women are gifted in selling stroke waffles, which are little Dutch cookies, yum, which yum, are yum. too sweet, but <laughs> very tasty. So they'll do that and sell them. We have supporters who tirelessly sew hygiene kits for us. Um, very young kids even come up to us with Ziploc bags with some change in it and are excited to give it. For this work um, yeah businesses give generously we have a bottle drive we constantly are recycling and counting bottles and last year we raised over ten thousand dollars in your bottle just, drive yes wow. just in our bottle drive wow. thanks to one of our team members Lydia Langbrook she okay. tirelessly pursues people's garbage Risking, I love that. risking her life at times if she sees a 1.5 liter bottle on the side of the highway, you've got to go on the shoulder. No. And... Does she? Oh, that's hilarious. Apparently she 
considered it. I'm not sure that if she did dedication. It. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, and we have a giant garage sale every year, and it's coming up this year on mm-hmm. June 18 um, at the West Rinks Barn. We have to release this podcast before that date. Absolutely. (laughs) And last year, our garage sale raised $17,000. Okay. So, you know, this is all done through our supporters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is not the eight women. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is our supporters. So, yeah. And it's not just just the um, twice a year visit when the Ontario team goes and the Chilliwack team goes Mm -hmm. that we're doing projects in this... Often people think of a mission trip as in you go and do a project for two weeks. And then you're gone. And then, um, yeah. I'm sure our listeners will get the idea of the, you know, the ongoing work that we do. It's like mm-hmm. we don't hand a food pack in November when we go. Those food packs, if they're going to be had, go all year round. Mm-hmm. So, and, and tuition goes all. So it's it's continuous. Mm-hmm. So we need to fundraise mm-hmm. for continuous and ongoing projects. Yeah. yeah. So if our listeners want to get involved, there's a there's a couple different different avenues for them to do that. Um, as Sue mentioned, there's lots of opportunity throughout the year, mm-hmm. and all of those opportunities will be posted to your social medias, right? Yes. Correct. So yep. there is a Facebook group called A Voice of Hope for Kenya, and then there is a Instagram page. The handle is at A Voice of Hope for F O R, not not the number. So um, you could probably also find them on our social medias because we often reshare and stuff. And of course, you guys are on our website under partners. But I think the best way to get a hold of you guys is through Facebook probably, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say thank you both for coming and sharing. And um, something that really stands out to me about your group, which I really love and is very inspirational, is that you are not focused on being the heroes of the story and you really point upwards and you really give God all the credit and all the glory for all this. You don't go to Kenya playing white savior and you, I see it time and time again, you are very inclusive of the, the locals to, to teach and um, fulfill your purposes there too. And I think that is just very inspiring. So Thanks for doing what you're doing. And um, if anyone wants to know more, like I said, those are your pages. And that's all I got. That's all I got. Did you guys want to close with anything else or? Okay. Well, I just want to thank you for giving us this opportunity. Um, Over the last couple of days, it's been good just reflecting on, okay, what do I want to communicate? You know, your questions were helpful in that regard to just kind of review. What is our goal? Yeah. How are we obtaining that goal? You know, what methods are we using to get there? Kind of so, fun to look back and see, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One day I'll I'll ask to come on your trip again when I'm an older, more mature person. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd qualify now. Yes. Well, because you of you guys, I have Keith and Kristen Getty on my on my um, iTunes playlist. Excellent. Yes. That was one of my memories is the van drives with Keith, Keith and Kristen Getty. Yeah. Well, on an end note, then, if you wonder where the name Voice of Hope comes from, it is from the Compassion Hymn by Keith and Kristen Getty. Well, then, there you go. Yes. Nice segue. Okay, well, we'll call it a day for now. Thanks again, ladies. Thanks for listening to What in the World, where we seek to educate and inspire. Here at Hungry for Life, we are passionate about your group having a global impact in eradicating needless suffering. For more information, head over to our website at hungryforlife.org. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you may listen to podcasts. Tune in every other week for another conversation about what is happening at Hungry for Life.